Hey guys, and welcome to the Forbidden Cinema deep dive of Indecent Proposal and probably more 1993 in general. Yep, we're ex super excited. We really took a little look at 1993 and realized it was our jam. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So, but if you haven't watched the uh, episode or watched, you should watch Indecent Proposal, get your own opinions. But if you haven't listened to the episode on Indecent Proposal, I'm not sure you're going to be missing much, but go ahead and check it out. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback and we will be making some references. So I don't know. We first. didn't really love the film, but we, we listened didn't. back to the episode and I, I think there's some good stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, for so. sure. So or if you, if you haven't think listened, it was terrible, then sorry. Uh, sorry. You can let us know via DM, but maybe don't rate and review yeah, it based on that one. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So what sort of questions did we leave unanswered? Questions unanswered. They were real trivia type of questions, if I'm remembering correctly. You are you are the keeper of the notes. I am the keeper of the notes. The first thing I have on here was sneakers versus indecent proposal. Okay. Uh, we did look it up. Uh, sneakers actually came out the year before. Okay. In 1992, I did see sneakers in the theater, so I would have known who Robert Redford was when this movie came out. Okay. Of course, you know, obviously knew Demi Moore, obviously knew Woody Harrelson from Cheers, but uh, yes, I would have known Robert Redford. I don't know if I would have known him as an iconic star, but... Uh, that makes sense. It's very much an ensemble cast. Absolutely. If you guys haven't seen Sneakers, Ugh, I love you sneakers. owe it to yourself to take some time so good. And, and go back and watch that. River Phoenix, Sidney Poitier... Uh, who else? Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Um, oh, uh, Annette Benning. So many, so many amazing people. Absolutely. Uh, Ben Kingsley. Yes. Uh, With a rad ponytail. Werner Brandes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was Stephen Tobolowsky? Is that that's the actor? Yes. Who was fantastic in this last uh, season of Archer? <laughs> yes. He's so good. So good. Everybody was amazing. So uh, the next thing we had was we talked about Channel One a couple of times. We have. Uh, we're not sure if you guys know what the heck we're talking about. Uh, Channel One was a thing, and they bought TVs for junior highs and high schools. And the thing that you had to do with Channel One was you had to watch it every morning. And it was 90% a new show produced out of uh, California. I think Lisa Ling was one of the early hosts. Anderson mm -hmm. Cooper was their war correspondent back in the day. Before sad? his V-neck game was really too tight. A war correspondent for children's television. I mean, the times were the it times. It was the Gulf. I mean, that what was happening at the time. I remember being 13, and I do not even think... I'm confabulating. I do not even think I'm adding something. I remember at 13 watching this and thinking, you know, watching Dan Cortez and Pepsi, The Choice of a New Dan Generation, Cortez. and thinking, I'm not 100% sure we should be watching advertisements in a public school. <laughs> you would be thinking that. I probably would. <laughs> but I so don't think... I'm not sure that my schools were keeping their contractual obligations. Oh, I remember by high school, you know, two or three years in, because the TV would come on automatically. Mm -hmm. Yes. You would not, you know, you did not have to turn it on. and The, the TV came on and then the teacher was like, click. As soon as <laughs> I don't even remember it coming on and us talking about it. I mean, I remember 
I remember some Channel One stuff maybe in middle school, definitely not in high school. So sorry if uh, if you're like a lawyer uh, and you work for Channel One and you're <laughs> like, don't track us down and figure Our out what high school. Our views do not represent the, uh, the 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 views of Tennessee Public Schools. My junior high was recently destroyed by a tornado, so yeah. I, I, I think they've got enough problems. They don't True. need your lawsuits. Still, a year ago, still looks the same. Yes. Problematic guys. <laughs> but yeah, I'm absolutely certain there were commercials for Poetic Justice. On that. That's really interesting. I mean, and I feel like there were commercials for Basic Instinct. I I could be wrong, but I know Poetic Justice. I vividly I remember really my science classroom from nineteen being thirteen years old. There's no escaping how old we are right now. Um, I really think we should watch Poetic Justice because I have not seen it. It was on TV not that long ago and saw the beginning, which was kind of devastating. I really, really remember Janet Jackson's again from that movie, which uh, we're going to get into some billboard charts, y'all. I'm super excited. I love Janet Jackson's again. It it might be one of my favorite Janet Jackson songs post um, Rhythm Nation. Ooh, Rhythm Nation is... Uh, Rhythm Nation. I mean, had the CD, you know, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, you know, all that jazz. But... Yeah. So put a pin in that. Uh, Janet Jackson is no longer, as of about five years ago or so, the most obscene thing ever to um, to air on American television, according to the FCC. Um, I don't really know if we'll get into what the most obscene thing is to ever air on television. I mean, I'm television. curious now, but I also have a lot of feelings about the um, wardrobe malfunction situation. The most obscene thing, according to the FCC, ever to air. Now, if you if you adjust dollars for inflation, I think Janet Jackson is still the most obscene thing to ever happen on American television. Okay. But uh, an episode of One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. Yeah, is, is the most obscene after, thing. after, when did that come out? Uh, five or six years ago, I think. I think there's a, a three-way scene. I don't know. But apparently it's the most obscene thing ever to America, air on American television. Um, actually, I think we're going to get into the third most obscene thing ever to air on American television in a future episode. Okay. Okay. Well, so, we can put a pin in that. But I have a lot of feelings about the wardrobe malfunction situation. Um, I know there's been a lot recently about, you know, with the Britney documentary and some calling to Justin Timberlake and taking him to task. And I will say, I I don't know that I would have been a Justin Timberlake apologist, but he did really skirt that pretty scot-free and like kind of that wink at the camera, like y'all know um, that I'm all good, you know, from, he really plays into his Millington roots uh, when things like that happen. If y'all don't know where Millington is, it is real country Memphis. Um, so no matter what he says, being from Memphis, no, he's from even more like really backwoods Memphis area. But, um, yeah, that was a hundred percent planned. I mean, you can read articles now a hundred percent planned. You know, he was a hundred percent in on that and it did not affect him in the same way that it did her. And that's problematic. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're not looking to to really get super political or super anything on this. We're we're really using this as some sort of catharsis for ourselves. <laughs> but but that being said, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake, uh, we're you know, fingers eyes, fingers eyes, fingers eyes, watching. Okay. I don't know. Justin Timberlake, I think, made up for anything he's ever done uh, being in 
the the killers, all these things that I've done. Seen it's a fantastic from, video, but it was that South, before Southland Tales. This is always oh, way after a, a movie. If you haven't seen it, it is bananas. Uh, starring The Rock, Christophe Lambert as the Angel of Death. Oh, Christophe uh, Lambert! It is wild, absolutely wild. I, I can't even talk about it. it uh, I mean, I feel like I, I don't not want to watch uh, a, a Highlander movie for this. It was not off limits because my parents did not care one bit as well did I. Um, but there are people in mutually in both our lives would be really offended by the fact that Highlander does not make this list because Highlander it 3 may doesn't. be a host choice if we ever do host choice but again. But is Highlander 3? Didn't they cover that on How Did This Get Made specifically? I don't think so. They? they covered some Highlander. Well, the the thing about Highlander three was it was released in theaters as a PG thirteen action film. Okay, and nobody saw it. Okay, Highlander three was cares. then released on home video with sixteen steamy extra steamy. minutes as an <laughs> R rated movie with a huge <laughs> sticker on the cover of the VHS saying sixteen minutes of additional steamy Ugh. sex scenes. I almost said, does that mean that we need to watch the original theatrical release and you then... Can't, it's, it's not available. Oh, it's not available. No. You can only get the steamy version? No, the, the unsteamy version has not been released since the early 90s. It's never been available on home video unless... It's sorry, out there. If there's some bootleg DVD from Croatia, good for you guys. But, but how do we know if it's extra, if it's really st- steamy unless we see the original? But why am I even making this argument? I do not want to watch a Highlander movie. <laughs> Done. It's got Over. Mario Van Peebles as the bad guy. Mm, no. No? No. I don't know. If there's another... Careful, then you can never do another host choice series because that might be on there. Is there a host choice no Highlander? <laughs> no, I'm not making a blanket no Highlander. If it makes sense, we will we will look at it. What's the fair use on singing Queen songs on a podcast? The f- I, I don't know. I don't know like how the how the copyright goes. If I just like that's probably it right there. Cut. Okay, sorry. <laughs> You just don't want me to keep singing. I don't know, but I also you don't, don't th- want to. You're, you're not a lawyer. You just don't want to listen to me. <laughs> I mean, we do a mad, mad under pressure, but <laughs> that's for for a karaoke. Uh, when the world event. opens back up, come on down to Santa's Pub, and we'll have a uh, we'll have a get together. Yes, um, which. Uh, also, my my go to is gonna make my go to karaoke song is gonna make the list of the billboards for 1993. All right. <laughs> so, um, in our usual fashion, uh, I took the bit the bullet and uh, deep dove uh, Playboy magazine sex and cinema <laughs> issue for this year. It's such a burden, such a burden. It, it, it's print magazines from the. It, it's really not as sexy as I think oh, I anybody <laughs> is. <laughs> It's really more stereo ads. It really is more stereo ads. But Sex in the City, uh, Sex in the Cinema, Sex whatever, Sex in Cinema for this year does not even mention Indecent Proposal. That's amazing. It is completely absent. The one thing that I did notice is they had an article on celibacy mm-hmm. and they interviewed somebody from our youth group. Yeah. I don't know. We, maybe we shouldn't name any names. I don't know. I mean, it's it's published. If it's you want to go read Playboy November of Playboy magazine from 1993, I mean, boy, they sure talked up the True Love Waits interviews in uh, USA Today that a couple of our uh, fellow 
youth group members were in. But they never really talked up the interview in Playboy, though. I think that's fascinating. Um, So just it's not really side note. I think it's pivotal to this whole conversation. And the reason that this podcast kind of came to be, um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with True Love Waits. It was a movement in the 90s um, towards abstinence. And both Zach and I were heavily involved in that. Um, we made commitments. We had rings. We we were part of rallies. Um, I even, as I think about this now, so there was you know movements like take it to your school, like have your have your classmates, um, you know, sign these cards and put them around the flagpole. I kind of realized that I had grand salesmanship <laughs> at that moment. Um, some of you out there in the world um, that I went to high school with early in high school that may or may not ever listen to this, you signed a Chula Waits card. I know you didn't mean it, but I convinced you that it was worth doing. <laughs> you know, it was a choice now. Did you have to keep that choice? Not necessarily, but... You were going to sign the card because I had some numbers to make. Um, now, in a previous life, the credit cards you've signed people up for probably stuck with people longer than those True Love Waits cards. It probably did. It probably did. Um, you know, I, I, I may be fairly persuasive. <laughs> so I didn't get what I wanted out of Playboy magazine. You didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wanted an article that talked about this movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I thought, like, where do we go? Sorry, the meeting I thought was not enough bush. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the sound was as terrible as I leaned away. <laughs> but so I'm trying to think of print media from the early 90s. And where does any of this even show up? And I did come across, for very reasonable price, you can get the entire back history, all the back issues of Vanity Fair magazine. That's cool. And I think of Vanity Fair magazine, Demi Moore, mm-hmm. on the cover, 91, pregnant and naked, 92, in a painted suit. Right. And I think those are some of the most striking portraits she Ever does done. take a beautiful photo. Both are Anne Leibovitz, which I don't. I am a very, very casual interest in in portraiture for photography, but I know enough to know that she is. She's the, she's the, the go-to. The she's, deal. I know her name. So right. <laughs> I used to look at her coffee table book at the bookstore. You know, that's. There's, <laughs> I tried to get you to go to that uh, to the lecture from her, but we did we didn't make it. Actually, I think we're still talking about Fran Lebowitz. Yeah, but that's not Annie Lebowitz. Annie Lebowitz is the photographer. Fran Lebowitz is a different person. We had this whole conversation based maybe I think on a Modern Family episode. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was totally the, it was the, the photographer that we wanted that I wanted to go see. That's Annie Lebowitz. Annie is, Lebowitz is, the, sorry. is the photographer. Um, really, the '90s Annie Lebowitz. Really uh, cutting edge portraits um, and gets babies and melons. Mm. I think that that's our two. Oh, photographers okay, yeah, the I 90s. guess Anne Gettys is probably probably the other one. But, <laughs> but yeah, Demi's birthday suit I think might be. It's amazing. It is, and I, I remember being twelve years old and seeing that on the on the stands and not fully being sexually aware yet, but just 
thinking like that is i want to go to there no it 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 is beautiful it is strong it is scary it is there are so many things there you were so emotionally aware (laughs) i do want to take a brief 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 excerpt so i believe that if we credit uh janet canant and say this and, and have our commentary about it that this is fair use but uh Except for the beaded cross around her neck, Demi Moore is standing buck naked before a full-length mirror, dozens of discarded evening dresses lying at her feet. Even though this is only a costume fitting for her next movie, Indecent Proposal, she is giving quite a performance. Sauntering up to the glass, hips cocked, backs ar- back arched, breasts thrust towards the heavens. Moore stretches a white sequin gown across her body like a canvas on a frame and studies her reflection. For a moment, she recalls a smoldering seductress in one of those bodice-ripping B-movies from the 50s, but it's a bit too much. And she exhales, letting the vision fall in a crumpled heap on the floor. Wow. <laughs> that seems like it should be in Playboy. <laughs> That's way more. Yeah, Playboy is never that um, that invent, inventive or that flowery of wording and and that that's that's a woman writing. Playboy doesn't write for that's a that's a romance novel type of writing. That is a, one of the better paragraphs that I've it's ever amazing. read. Amazing. So, um 91 Demi Moore, naked on the cover. Okay. 92. Demi Moore, naked on the cover. Okay. Who's naked on the cover in 1993? Ooh. Sharon Stone is topless on a cover. Okay. Not naked, though. Okay. Sharon Stone comes up. Sharon Stone is related to the next person that is naked. Related, not... Not by blood, but has done a project with the next person that is naked on the cover in 1993. Ooh, I don't know. This this is might mean this is not good radio for me to be thinking about this because I'm really not sure. The next person to be nude on the cover of Vanity Fair. Is Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone. I don't Looking know if you very remem- much like Atlas. I don't know if you remember the marketing for Demolition Man. I know, but I mean, I know he's naked when they thaw him. It was all about Sylvester Stallone being naked in that really? movie. Really? Yes. I, he was on the cover of dozens of magazines. He was on Entertainment Tonight. Why was I watching Entertainment Tonight in the nineties? I don't know. I, it was just all about who was naked and what. I mean, that's. I didn't get, I mean, I, I don't think I watched it then. All I remember Demolition Man was like all the Taco Bell cross ad <laughs> stuff um, because Taco Bell was, had, I think it kind of just opened in our area and became the staple of a part of our diet on a really regular basis. Yeah. Chuck, um, if you're listening, Demolition Man was the first R-rated movie I saw in a theater. Oh, okay. Okay. So my dad definitely took me. I'm pretty sure my mom probably didn't know. I'm sure she would not have been okay with it for a lot of reasons. I mean, 13 years old, man. 13, naked man, Wesley Snipes in overalls, fashion crime. <laughs> That's what I think of. I mean, I do want to be in burrito right now. Oh, man, that would be good. Oh, so good. So we talked about... How if you were able to handle Ghost at nine. Right. I don't think we really talked about handling Ghost at nine. No. I think that's its own problematic. Well, I need to unpack that. I'll, I'll think about that. Yeah. Handling Ghost at nine is is 
concerning. But <laughs> that I said that, said that three years post ghost, you should probably be able to handle indecent proposal. Right. But then I had to think about it. That's a ripe old age of 12, 12, right? Yeah. So we spent some time, each of us on our own, looking into what we were into in when we were 93, when we were 12 slash 13 years old. So um, I have Weird Al Yankovic, huge yes. comeback, huge comeback. It had been the longest he'd ever gone without releasing an album. The UHF was a huge flop. The soundtrack was a huge flop. One of my favorite movies of all time, but it was a critical and commercial failure. So... Weird Al Yankovic comes back with Off the Deep End, Nirvana parodies. Fantastic, fantastic. We're on the cusp. Alapalooza is coming. Jurassic <laughs> Park is coming. Uh, so, yeah. So, it, deep diving Vanity Fair wasn't maybe the best use of my time. So, I started deep diving Nintendo Power. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. So, uh, Star Fox. <laughs> um, Shadow Run, which I don't know if I got Shadow Run. Shadow Run is very, very mature. A cyberpunk, kind of based on William Goldman style. Okay. I don't really know if I understood what was happening, but it may be the start of, of a real interest in hard sci fi, kind of mature, uh, post now transhumanist ways of looking at the world. So, very. Right. I mean, very like Blade Runner type. Oh, very Blade Runner. Yes, okay. yes, very much so. Uh, William Goldman uh, invented the word the Matrix. Okay. Yeah, I think. Uh, invented... Which hot take? I don't love the Matrix. Uh, we get we can talk about that later. What else was I doing in 1993? I don't know if they had one of these in your neighborhood. It's it's just laser tag, but Qzar. Oh, Qzar was a brand of laser tag, a brand yes. of laser shooty gun stuff. Laser tag is probably its own brand, but Qzar mm -hmm. was it. Qzar was, was different because you could operate as you you a hundred percent pretty much operated as a team. Oh, it was like very were, much tactics and squad based. Right. You you wore a vest that was a color. It was uh you know like UV or like an orange or a green. Um. Oh, I, I mean, I I totally played a bunch of QSR. I mean, we never played... Did we play QSR together? I'm sure we did. Maybe in youth group at some point. Um, but that was like kind of like a reward. Like for my... This is like super nerdy. Watch out. This may make you like super hot. But in my like seventh grade algebra class, for all of us like doing a project really well, like we got to go to QSR. <laughs> I mean, we were there every weekend. Every time I could save $7, we were there. And it was just for 15 minutes. You were a futuristic freedom fighter. And I was ranked in the state. I was a, a member. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't... Y'all, I mean, there may be a point where, where y'all get to know me a little bit more. I, in life, if you meet me, wouldn't you would not think I'm pretty decent at laser tag. <laughs> Jenny um, always beats me in the second game. <laughs> I, I I hold out. Yeah. I hold out. Well, game I, one, I'm sniping people. I'm, you know, I, I'm in there. I'm concerned. I, I need to get the best score. I'm... You know, I've got the best position. I am sniping. I'm hitting. I'm just on. But game two, you want to see the whites of their eyes. I mean, something comes over you. 
it gets full on saving private ryan moment like it oh it no oh no 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 yeah but game two i'm i'm more concerned with with the carnage that I'm causing than the actual uh, actual sport. Well, see, I like the kind of bait and switch situation that happens, at least now. I mean, obviously, you know, when I was a teenager, it, it was kind of just we were all playing laser tag. But now my parents have kind of weirdly gotten into laser tag and it's become relatively frequent in some of our family parties and it's not just us playing there's usually some sort of uh you know mixture of of groups of people and more than once i've had some teenage boy tell me like lady stop shooting me (laughs) um because you don't expect this lady um wearing her full heels and jewelry uh to be murdering you in laser tag but it's a thing so watch out. <laughs> Ruthless. So I also have uh, Mortal Kombat. Oh. Mortal Kombat had just... Not the movie. The movie, movie not yet. But the, the video game had just happened, which was what is happening right now. And uh, NBA Jam hadn't happened yet. Okay. That would be another big cultural touchstone. And I was really into Bill Cosby in 1993. I mean, who wasn't? Like, all, all of us. I had so many tapes. But, and I, I mean, we grew up with the Cosby Show. Like, uh, y'all, part of us, part of us all died <laughs> when when all of this went down. Um, that that's true. Yeah. So uh, there's so, that. So moving on. Yeah, definitely. So what a bummer. Um. So what was your 1993 looking like, babe? 1993. So I was in eighth grade. Um, very much was probably full of dance. I was dancing regularly, meaning like tap dance, ballet dance, hip hop dance, um, all of that. So all of our slumber parties, all of it. So our slumber parties did not involve lingerie, but they involved a lot of choreographing of dances. Um, so I definitely wanted to take a look at the Billboard Top 100 to kind of see where, where that was happening and y'all the whole transformation i feel of my life happens in the top 100 the the billboard top 100 of 1993 number one i will always love you by whitney houston i mean it just is i had that album had the bodyguard soundtrack womp there it is by tag team that's a whole nother aspect but it's super important can't help falling in love by UB40. You know, we we all started to fall in love with a little bit of like a reggae kind of uh, thing going on. That's the way love goes by Janet Jackson. Hmm. Important. I'm I'm skipping around a little, but not too too much. Weak by SWV Sisters with Voices. Y'all, there is a, a single in a shoebox upstairs in my closet. I'm certain that I could go right now and dig and find of SWV's week. I could sing all of SWV's week right now for you. (laughs) And I do in the shower on a fairly regular basis. It is a go-to. If I ever fall in love by Shy, full cassette. Remember listening to this at some weird family reunion where I didn't know anybody. Um, so I had my uh, Sony Walkman listening to the full full of it while I, you know, swang on some weird swing set uh, at a family reunion where I didn't know anybody. Um, 
Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. Love that that soundtrack. Or not soundtrack, but that uh, that album. Rump Shaker by Wreck-It Effect. Okay. Definitely would have been some... I like a shake and rump occasionally. Yeah, very much so. In the Still of the Night by Boys to Men. Ooh. Boys to Men, Coolie High Harmony was high, high on the list of choreographing and sleepovers. Um, was should definitely, we get, I got when you. this is all over, should we go get matching suits? <laughs> matching suits. What are we going to, we going to have a boy group? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can look into that. Um, okay. Let's see. I Whole New wanna... World by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell from Aladdin. Fantastic. Um, another SWV song. It was definitely their year. Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. Ooh. Y'all, here's the flip. This is the flip from being more in a hip-hop R&B world into a Doc Martin and plaid shirt world of eighth grade. Um, that Soul Asylum was definitely part of that. We have River of Dreams by Billy Joel. I'm going to be 500 Miles by The Proclaimers. Two Princes, Spin Doctors. Um, let's see. Have I told you Lee Rod Stewart? He made a big comeback in the early 90s. I feel like there was 17 of the 100 albums at the Pizza Hut jukebox were Rod Stewart albums. <laughs> there were a lot, yeah. I think that I think that's local. I think they probably had a little bit of like dealer's choice when it came and somebody loved be. Rod Stewart. All right. Of course, Meatloaf was pretty heavily featured. Well, that was going to say. Next thing, number 36. Top 100, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that by Meatloaf. Would you raise me up? Would you set me down? Huge. Um, let's see. Whitney can, Houston again. Duran Duran. Oh, okay. Can, can I just... Number seven on the charts when this movie was when released. When this movie was released. Was Duran Duran's Ordinary World. Yes. What a song. It's amazing. And I remember us talking about this years ago, and you not even realizing that it was Duran Duran. We were at the Duran Duran concert. It was <laughs> It was not Duran's, Duran's best moment. No, it was not. But it was still later. Later, Summon Le Bon like, got real thin and got this real like razor thin, strangely dark um, uh, beard situation. He looked great. That was not where he was when we saw him at Starwood. No, this was, this was which poofy is an outdoor hair and, and big jacket and maybe put on a few. He might have. It was, it was a little bit of that kind of retro comeback tour. They, they definitely, you know, were, were heavy on. But, you know. I didn't honest, realize that Duran Duran was a thing in 93. I, I just assumed that was a Simon LeBon solo project or some. No, totally. River of Dreams by Billy Joel. I remember that being, you know, those two kind of go together for me. Um, I don't feel like you're getting into what was number one when this movie was released. When the movie came out, I don't know. I mean, you, you've got that list. I have the, the, for the top 100 eight weeks for the around this. Okay. Informer. Informer. <laughs> I mean, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You spent weeks right. on the charts. Aladdin knocked it off. And then for one week. And then Informer began its reign. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> so weird, so weird. Okay, coming up on it. Um, we've got Tony Braxton. We've got, yeah, like I said, Duran Duran. We have Seven by Prince. And then my go-to, y'all, I rock this song in karaoke. 
What's Up by Four Non Blondes. So definitely a whole mix of, you know, this grunge girl, this R&B girl, this hip hop girl. Like this is a lot of my personality really coming into play um, during all of this. We've got Ace of Bass, All All That She Wants, Um, Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi, Um, Crying by Aerosmith, What About Your Friends by TLC, Uh, Insane in the Membrane by Cypress Hill. Mm Rain, Madonna, the theme from Bad, from Cops, um, from Inner Circle, uh, Angel by John Cicada, Boom Shake the Room by DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> I mean, do do you? How do I talk to an angel by The Heights? But which one's the rapper and which one's the DJ? Oh, y'all know. Sorry. He. It's laid out pretty clear. Hey, Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. If One I would lose my, my face songs. in you by the Sting. Um, and can't get enough of your love by Taylor Dane. I mean, the 1993. I didn't realize how much of my life, how how much of my personality is defined by 1993. It's huge. <laughs> so I really wasn't worried about this movie. I was really coming into my own from a musical standpoint. You were just singing songs in the shower. Oh my gosh. I was singing songs in the shower. I was singing songs in my basement room with a lava lamp. Oh, oh, I didn't even talk about it. didn't make the top 100 charts. But y'all, 1993, Linger by the Cranberries. Oh, the Cranberries. I think I got their first three albums from a Columbia house. Eight <laughs> albums for Columbia a price of one. <laughs> and winning, I mean. Yes, yeah, I think I got that. Lives Throwing Copper was oh, in there. Wow. I got some pretty good albums. I, I scored on that eight albums for the price of one. First CD I ever bought. I mean, they bought. got me. They got me with the shipping charges. Shipping that, and handling, like $7.99. That was shipping and handling, y'all. That, that was always the thing. Um, first CD I ever bought with my own money. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, going and getting it. Now, I know I bought... Um, Oh, Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. It was a gift card from from my cousin as a Christmas present. So that might have been first. But money I had that I had saved myself, um, I bought this Cranberries album at Target. It was early Target. Oh, wow. Target. I'm pretty sure it was Target. Um, But Linger, y'all, my dark basement room with my lava lamp... Didn't hear any other album more than than Linger and Dreams and oh my gosh. This this was the soundtrack of my eighth grade to ninth grade year. <laughs> it was a hundred percent. So anything left you have on ninety-three? Uh ninety-three. No. I mean it was great. It was I, a, I, I was great. I look back. I look at the lists and like I love nineteen ninety three. Can we get another? Can we get a twenty thirteen as good as ninety three? Oh, Come wow. on, people, let's do this. I mean, musically, it was so diverse and interesting. And when was the last time you remember seven or eight songs from a year, let alone fifty five? I know, like every single song, it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, yeah, whoa, wow. <laughs> uh, so I think the next thing we're gonna get into is. We kind of talked about them not showing Robert Redford and Demi Moore having sex. Right. And my kind of thought was the sex they were having in Woody Harrelson's head. Yes. 
was maybe the best sex that's ever been had, which brought me to high fidelity. And there's a moment where he says, no one ever anywhere has had better sex than you're having in my head right now. And of course, she's having sex with Tim Robbins and his amazing ponytail. <laughs> Can't be the best sex anyone has ever had. Um, but just as you said that, it made me think, are we supposed to be Woody Harrelson? Woody Harrelson? Pause. Are we supposed to be Woody Harrelson in this movie? We might be. We is, might, is that we don't the reason see. that we don't see it? Is we're supposed to wonder and feel his angst? Because if that was the what we were going for, fail. <laughs> hard, hard fail. <laughs> Record scratch. Stop. <laughs> I <laughs> like choices. Do, choices do not relate to him at all, but. That could I, that makes sense. That choice that we don't see their sex, um, we do see uh, Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore's sex. Is it weird being a married man? That's exactly how I saw that. Is that that not showing it was even worse than seeing it? I mean, no, and then that makes sense to me. But I just wonder, like that, just made me think as an audience. Are we supposed to be in his POV? And if we are, they did not make him likable enough. <laughs> First of all, he threw that bottle of wine. Big, uh. huge strike for me. <laughs> but that's, that's me much older. <laughs> uh, next thing I have is that you said, when did me more get boobs? Right. Um, you'd think the internet would have the answer to that? You would think. It's really pretty vague. I think a lot of plastic surgery rumor websites are just completely flooding Google. And it just, it's really hard to find any sort of valid information. That's fine. I think the only thing we can really find is by striptease in 96, she had obviously had something done. Well, but, but I, I think obviously from ghost to this movie, she had something done. She had children, but those boobs don't stay. Um... So I think she probably was like, "Ooh, these are nice. Let's <laughs> let's hang on to them full time." But for two children, I oh, mean, which is fantastic. work it to me. I mean, but I don't want to make that like pejorative in any kind of way. Like she's a working actress and she looks fantastic. She'd look fantastic either way. She's great. Um and and I would say Honestly, her being naked, pregnant on the cover of Vanity Fair in 91, and then her, her being naked, like, svelte on the cover of Vanity Fair in 1992 is maybe some unrealistic type of expectations. Um, that's that's a whole nother conversation, but her being vastly pregnant in 91 and her being, like, the flattest stomach you've ever seen in your whole life in 1992 is not really fair to most people not fair to most people but you earned it work it girl sure that's fine i mean i i, I kind of go both ways on that you work you work it you get it uh but it there it are plenty sets, of people it sets concerning whatever does, for other but she, people but you but you did it and you earned it and go for it girl there is a comedy sketch i don't know whose it is and i think it and I say it all the time, and they are actually talking about Demi Moore. I, I think that I make this joke in a lot of different ways. 
I don't know who who said it, but literally the, talking about Demi Moore like losing weight probably from pregnancy to not that she can hire people separate people to slap <laughs> cookies, cakes and pies out of her hands. Oh my like, goodness. Like so we're not no one people aren't working on the same level playing field when it comes to getting back to their pre-pregnancy bodies. Sorry guys, we've been binging maintenance phase. We have. <laughs> so. Love y'all. It's I'm working through it. <laughs> but but just want to put that out there that she does look fantastic, but it was also probably not a realistic expectation to set. Just want to be fair to that. So the next thing we have is on a Friday before a holiday weekend, we're taking out $25,040. I said go back on Monday, but I really think I meant go back on Tuesday to right. the bank. How yeah. much money... Have we misplaced in the meantime? <laughs> how much is it actually going back? Yeah. Like, well, you got how it, much okay. have we lost? 80, 100, 200? Like, are we dealing with 20s? Are we dealing with singles? Like, what are we, what are we dealing with here? How much is stuck in cracks, crevices under the bed in between the mattress? I mean, there's all of those things. There's the money that you're like, man, I'm so hungry. Like, I need some moon pies from the vending machine you got it how many are we at a hotel i was just assuming we're at our house but i guess we're at a hotel in your fantasy it's not my fantasy <laughs> <laughs> let's rewind that i'm just talking about the movie for the most part and being in vegas and this is probably pre-mini bar vegas or they're pre- not in a mini bar hotel <laughs> i think we've established that like they're they're, they're at, a like a much hotel. off the strip type of hotel um and and there's i don't know how much of that money's going in the vending machine you got that not taking that dollar yeah i mean if it gets damp enough it is not no. going in the wrinkle damp you could turn it over you can like like try and flatten it out on the edge of the machine. Um, but there's some of that that's not going to work. That's maybe you're maybe potentially trying to take that back to the bank, but everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows. I think Chris Rock had a bit back in the day about introducing strip club dollars back into the regular economy. <laughs> and like, oh, you just don't want to think about that. I think that that money circulates. You, you want to hope. You want to hope that the ladies, you know, at the end of the night, they trade all those in for a couple of 20s and, and, right. and they stay. It, it, it in just that. stays at the bar and kind of circulates in some weird sort of way. Yeah. You want to, you want let's just, let's just all choose right now to believe that and, and, and just move on. Exactly. But yes. We did have vending machines in high school and every once in a while you would get a, it was 65 cents for a soda. And every once in a while, if you bought one, you would get a T-shirt that was like crammed down into the size of a soda can. And it would have 50 cents in there because that's what they assumed a soda cost. (laughs) So they they gave you a shirt, but you were short. (laughs) You were 15 cents short. So if that was the last 65 cents you had, (laughs) you still don't get anything to drink. And you just have the wrinkliest shirts. And everybody who got one would throw the shirt on and wear it for the rest of the day. There's just two or three skinny white guys and just the wrinkliest shirts walking around. Street cred, street cred. I owe... A handful of guys, a lot of change for vending <laughs> machine stuff. I, have I mentioned how persuasive I was? <laughs> have we mentioned how the last time we went to a game with a t-shirt cannon, you managed to get shot in the face? Yeah, that's different. <laughs> Jenny can and will at any moment, if something can go wrong to her, it will. 
He likes to say that's my superpower, that I can channel the energy of the universe, much like Storm from the X-Men, but make negative things happen. Like to, my- Only to herself. <laughs> like her X-Men power is if she's not having a good time, she can cause the roof to cave in at the Buckcherry concert and land on her head. That happened. That happened. If, if she's not having a good time, she can cause like the Tower Records to catch on fire. Uh, just I don't think that happened. But I've broken plenty of heels. I've chipped plenty of nails. I've broken plenty of toes. Like all of those kind of things happen. Like when I've already kind of the, the situation is not peak. She's already made it clear that she'd rather not be here, and that her not having a good time is sort of your fault and then something bad happens and there's no way she could have planned it it is physically (laughs) impossible in the multiverse for her to have made this negative thing happen but it happens somebody at at tootsies is gonna throw a beer bottle and it's gonna shatter and shred her foot that did happen it's yes that yeah so i don't know what that means you're the worst x-man ever I have the worst superpowers. <laughs> that remembering choreography, I'm like a I'm like a savant with like, it's useless. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. All right, so we're gonna get into um, the book. I looked up into the book yes. to see what uh, what was going on. Uh, the book, I think they say that the the Woody Harrelson character is really maybe the only character that comes out at the end with any sort of likability. Well, that's fail. Um, the book, the Woody Harrelson to me more character are first generation um, Israeli settlers from Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. And the Robert Redford character is an Arab sheik. Oh, and so that really, that is the, real tone changing. <laughs> there is so many more problems in that. Like this, this, this movie is terrible. It is, it is really heart wrenching. Like, Let's throw the Holocaust in and see if that cool. makes it Cool, yeah. Let's make that sexy. What? I don't know. Uh, may, maybe there's something important to be said there. Maybe. I mean, we haven't read it. We're reading a synopsis. Right, right. But boy, that just seems even more heart-wrenching. There is just no fun. Because this... I, I'm going to pause. This movie is heart-wrenching. It is. It, it really is. It's people who... Uh, they they want something good. They can't make something good happen. They think this is a solution, and they know deep down that it's going to ruin them, and it does. It made the list of the Razzie's creator of his 100 most fun bad movies to watch. It's not fun. And I did not. Maybe if we watch it again and think like, oh, let's go watch some garbage. We'll make fun and throw forks at the screen or whatever. There are plenty of movies that we've watched or enjoyed because they're horribly terrible and they're just fun and you just relish in in that moment. This is not, this is too real. This is people's emotions. This, but no one is, no one is truly likable in this. I mean, and I, I mentioned that, that, you know, I don't feel sorry for anyone in this movie. I mean, maybe a little bit for Demi Moore, but because they made this decision as a couple, but then because he decided last minute to go chase, leave this weird Harajuku type restaurant. Ah! It was very strange. <laughs> and go and chase and then like jump on a helipad and try and catch her. Because he made that decision that from there on it 
he decided it was a wrong choice. That and, she should have known. That and he... she should have known and she should have gone through it and and she's punished for it from every moment on. And that's not fair. Yeah. The next uh, bullet point I have written down is Zach misses the point. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Is that a segment? I, it, it might be. It might be because <laughs> I, I feel like this is not the first time I've missed the point. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, are we talking about the podcast or are we just talking about it? <laughs> life <laughs> i was talking about the podcast but we can talk about that later off the air yeah, i mean <laughs> you know, I, there's nothing sexy about you missing the point <laughs> no i promise i will not throw a wine bottle but uh, uh no wine should not be wasted sacred. well i mean maybe i'll maybe i'll throw one of the bottles of ariel <laughs> oh man yeah yeah y'all have heard this since then still haven't painted yet still deciding what we what color we need to do but are painting, we gonna pop a color or are we gonna leave it painting leave is it? necessary <laughs> yeah we took some mr clean magic erasers nope. to that did not happen nothing no if you effect. were to tell me that mr clean magic erasers used actual magic I would not believe you, but I would not be able to compellingly argue against Except you. Except for now. Now. No work. No, no dice. <laughs> no magic. No magic. No magic happened. But yeah, I completely missed the point on, on him faking the 27 Club or whatever. Yeah. Boy, I... Boy, I am wrong. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he was definitely trying to just give her an out, and and so I think I the think- first missing the point was um, was not realizing that risky business was kind of basically remade as the oh. girl next door. I completely missed the point on that one. And then I believe the Wikipedia summary of this movie says that uh, John Gage obviously fakes. The- <laughs> it says obviously. The word obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Way to rub it in. <laughs> Even Wikipedia knows. I don't think this podcast episode has dropped as we're recording this. So I don't think somebody could have gone in and added that. <laughs> Just to shade you. <laughs> Speaking of which, somebody stop going in and taking me out of notable alumni from my high school. <laughs> I keep on adding myself in and somebody keeps on erasing me. It's not worth it. Like, I don't know who's taking the time to erase it. I don't it. know. I don't know. The Kings of Leon, they only went there for a year or two. They they, they went, they were homeschooled, I think. They're <laughs> they're not really, they didn't graduate. They, they don't, it doesn't count. Get them off the page. Get me on. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that that's, that is a huge piece of his redeeming factor as a character. Um, because he does temper quite a bit once he has her. Not sure that that's appropriate, but the fact that he, quote-unquote, lets her go because he thinks that that's best for her or maybe that she won't secretly love him as much as she loves Woody Harrelson, um, and he kind of fabricates this story. Not very convincingly. Sorry, I'm not trying to, like... I'm not, but Dusty's not convinced. She's not convinced. You're the only one that was I was convinced. convinced. I was on board. Like, what a creep. (laughs) Get out of that limo, girl. Go back to Woody. (laughs) Sorry. What are you doing? Catch the bus. (laughs) Go to Woody at the pier. Oh, sorry, babe. Like, do your do you love me thing, or have I told you you love I love you, or whatever. Oh my like, god, do that. That that'll work. Sure. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh. I mean, 
sorry. I don't know. It's so funny now. But yeah, uh, that that definitely put the kind of stamp on. He might be the only okay character in this movie. Yeah, I, I might like him retrospectively. <laughs> <laughs> I was really thinking he was a dork at that point. <laughs> All right, so the next note I have, we really wanted this to be a thriller serial killer movie. Right. We wanted this to be Basic Instinct 2. We actually watched a few minutes of Basic Instinct 2, but it was not as terrible as I was expecting. It was weird. Eh, Whatever. But if this is a serial killer story, what happens to Oliver Platt? I think he dies. Hmm. I think he dies a, a very prolonged graphic scene where he has some quippy comments about his death. I'm not sure who kills him. Because I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I guess we're saying John Gage, a.k.a. Robert Redford, is the serial killer. Um, they don't have that much interaction. But if it's, a, if it's a thriller and a serial killer movie, they would have more interaction than they do now. Gotcha. See, I think if this is a serial killer movie, the most obvious way to go would be for Oliver Platt to be the killer. Oh, interesting. Because it's never who you expect. True. If, if this was a Hitchcock movie or something, you know, it, you would everything would point to Robert Redford, point to Robert Redford, Robert Redford, Robert Redford, Robert Redford, but it would actually be a complete, complete, you know, at the very end, you know, we, we have that moment where Oliver Platt steps out of the shadows and has the big... Well, what's his motivation? I mean, I guess as a serial killer, it's you 1993. Don't necessarily I'm, have to have a motivation, but I'm cra- I'm Stark Raven Bonkers. I like sex and blood. I mean, that's. I guess that that seems that yes, there's that's a huge red herring in a mystery. That's the whole thing. You you never want it to be who you expected the whole time. Yeah, but and I guess this this wasn't set up well enough. There would have been better ways to kind of hint at him maybe and have him in the movie more because he would have needed to have been in the movie just a little a bit little more. A little bit more. A Not a more. lot more, but a little bit more for that to be feasible. Yeah, I mean, maybe he gets killed and they pin it on him, but then you just said that's, that's the plot of Basic Instinct, so. It is. No, I mean, like, no, no, no. I don't think he gets pinned on him. I think he dies. Um I think that, you know, in your standard movie, John Gage, Robert Redford is a serial killer. It gets pinned on Woody Harrelson in some sort of way. Um, uh, Oliver Platt dies. Maybe even um, Dusty is is the killer. Okay. we've Dusty has killed a guy. Right. We did mention the the ADR for that. I don't know if we really got into it though, but I just said it is so Roadhouse. If you've seen Roadhouse, <laughs> where they're like introducing dolls, like I heard he killed a guy, ripped his throat out. <laughs> it just seems like oh. the same thing for Dusty. Like, can we get a Dusty and Dalton? Dusty and Dalton crossover. That, that seems like some sort of yeah, buddy cop or something. <laughs> I mean, is is Dusty still alive? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about him dying, but I don't know if he was famous enough that he would pop up on my radar. But if he is, can we get him and Sam Elliott? Oh, Sam Elliott. As like old guy, people that have killed a guy. <laughs> oh, man. Sam Elliott. Talk about like swoon. <laughs> uh, last thing 
I have is Seven Deadly Sins, Sloth. I don't know if there is Sloth, but Jenny got to meet a Sloth a couple years ago. I did. It was way fun. Um, it was super chill, eating sweet potatoes. Right. Couldn't pet it. Was sad. But oh, I wouldn't let... One day Jenny is going to die trying to pet something she's not allowed to. Maybe. Maybe the next year at the zoo, there were some clouded leopard cubs, and they were a little past kitty stage and a little into kind of murder fluff stage. <laughs> murder fluff. And I had to grab Jenny's hand. She was starting to reach through the fence. I would not have put my hand in the fence. You you had your fingers out, and it was going towards the fence. They're so fluffy. I just, I do not want to wait to get your wedding ring out of clouded leopard poop <laughs> for my new eight-fingered wife. <laughs> Wrong hand. I definitely would be petting with the right hand, okay. not with the left hand. I feel like it was the left. I feel like you were trying to be sly. I feel like <laughs> you were trying to throw it off. I don't know. It was kind of like on the down low. You, you can't see. I'm making weird motions. If we're getting weird, slightly inappropriate hand motions. I don't know. <laughs> you could read it a lot of different ways. I'm just petting things that are going to murder me. I mean, they're fluffy, though. They're They're... They're cute. They still probably say, you know, they probably they don't do, like roar. But they don't roar. But they, they did do. have a blood popsicle was their they dinner. They did. Yeah. That was a little. I still wasn't turned off by wanting to pet them, though. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing we have is we left a couple of what we would normally edit out in this episode. We left a couple of bloopers, a couple of me just being stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> let us know what you think about that. Do you want us to leave a couple things that crack us up or do you want us to be tighter and more professional? Uh, let us know how you, what you think about that. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're full of real life bloopers all the time. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, but also to um, the sailboat that Joey accidentally um, bids on and gets is the Mr. Beaumont. <laughs> the Mr. Beaumont. The Mr. Beaumont. I thought that was Dusty's name. <laughs> no. Hello, I'm Mr. Beaumont. I killed a guy once. That would work, but no, it was like some sort of like uh, Schmeagol or... Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Smirnoff, I don't know. <laughs> so speaking of Joey. Yes. What are we doing next week? You're looking at me as, as if I should know that so, it's related to Joey. Um, there's a very classic moment in the show Friends where uh, Monica asked Phoebe to cut her hair like Demi Moore. Right. And <laughs> Phoebe cuts her hair like, like Dudley Moore. Like Dudley Moore. <laughs> so we thought, why not? Sure. It's the end of summer. We're going to watch 10. Yeah, I've never seen this. I know... Um, Dudley Moore and Bo Derek with some very appropriated braids. I just, I know the braids, the swimsuit on the VHS cover thinking, no. (laughs) I don't know anything about this. So hop on guys. Let's, let's see what happens. This might be our earliest film so far. Could be. Which could be even more problematic. <laughs> Who knows? Or it could be fun. Or I have no I don't know if this is a comedy, if it's a drama. I have no idea what we're getting into. We just thought Dudley Moore, what's the most forbidden Dudley Moore movie? The one where you can see through a lady's swimsuit on the cover. That's There we go. Yeah. So uh, hit us up on the socials. I'm going to let Jenny hit this because I right. cannot <laughs> speak. Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. And Forbidden Cinema at Instagram. 
So check us out. Um, you know, get in the conversation. Let us know what you think. Let us know what were forbidden conversations and movies for you, or what was your top 1993 Billboard jam? Want to know? Yeah, if you weren't 13 and 93, what were you into? Curious. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So last time we decided that we were going to recast the movie now. Yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that with um, Blame It on Rio. So it might become some sort of regular segment. I feel like I had more trouble with this one. Yeah, I, feel I like did I had too. A couple of a couple of ideas where I was like oh, I'd be curious to see what that person's doing. Uh, that person might bring something, and then I have one that I'm excited about. I'm sorry if it's terrible. I had trouble. I mean, my my takeaway in this is I don't know actors from 30 to 35 years old. Like it was really tough to come up with some. So some may be skirting. And also when I did some searches, um, just randomly actresses, 30 years old, it gave me actresses from 30 to 39. Cool. Ah. Cool. That's fine. But when I literally deleted actress and put an actor, it gave me actors from 23 to 30. I thought that was interesting. I don't know, even know what that means. Um, but that definitely did not broaden my horizon on actors that I knew. So that I don't know. I definitely, when we recast our next movie and we have to like recast somebody who's in their teens, or early twenties, I'm not, I'm I, not I have no idea. Movie. It seems like some, like, I don't know. Like you get on a list. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So my first cast. Okay. I have Michael B. Jordan in the Woody Harrelson role. Okay. I have Alicia Vikander in the um, Demi Moore role. Okay. And Matthew McConaughey as the uh, as the Robert Redford role. Okay. I, I think. do have Matthew McConaughey as a Robert Redford okay. as well. Uh, listen, I, I don't know. I just think Jordan is so big mm-hmm. and she is powerful and awesome, but small stature right i I just i don't know i i think there's something they're both fantastic actors i Mm -hmm. think there's something about that that could be tender but menacing and then mcconaughey you know he can be all right all right all right but he can be he can be scary too yeah Yeah. i mean true true detective true detective that's right yeah man he was he was scary in that he was all right go for it babe all right so well i'll go from there that same idea of Matthew McConaughey in the Robert Redford role. I have Anna Kendrick. Oh. And um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I like it. She's quirky enough to kind of fit into this role of like, because this whole movie, I'm kind of wondering exactly why he's attracted to her. She's beautiful, but she's not polished. She doesn't really fit into his world. And I think Anna Kendrick can capture that. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is stoic enough. Um, that I, feel like they I, I think they like each other. I think they could. They could make me believe that they like each other. I think so, too. So I, I think I that's my, my first pick. Yeah, I feel like in the... Like, She's beautiful and he has to have her because she's beautiful. I don't know if that's enough to really base. That seems to be enough of this whole movie. I mean, but, but I, 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 yeah, that's where I went. Okay. So I went a different direction here. I said, Elliot Page. 
I'd be interested to see. And you could maybe even throw in someone who is, you know, recently coming out. That could be a plot point if you're if you're being interested in in doing that. That there's an entire level of insecurity there. Mm-hmm. And I said with uh, with Elliot, uh, Emma Watson okay, and Carrie Ellis. Oh. So we've got two British actors, which is another thing that maybe could have something in common that could really add something. Add some uh, discontent. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen Carrie Ellis as menacing. He's been kind of a snot sometimes. Right. And we've discussed in this podcast before that... If he had offered you a million dollars to have his way with me, you probably would have taken it. Or vice versa. Or, I, I mean, he was delightful to be he around. Was. Yes. Yeah, he was. He cast a spell. What yeah. can I say? He did. Okay. So I have, um, starting, I am kind of did this as a hierarchy mm-hmm. of, so the Robert Redford role at uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, Okay. So he is known for looking for younger women. I didn't go as young (laughs) as he typically goes, but it's a different kind of role for him because people still kind of tended to cast him in some sort of baby face type of role. So Leonardo DiCaprio with Sarah Hyland. Okay. Sarah Hyland, I didn't write down, but she popped in my head. She's got a very specific look. She's beautiful and striking. And then Shia LaBeouf. Huh. Okay. He can go kind of cray. Oh, he has gone cray. He's gone really cray. And they could have a very passionate and tumultuous relationship that I think he would bring something very interesting to this dynamic. That's... I, I did not even consider kind of leaving out the age because there's there's not a there's not a lot of age difference there, but you could be a rich young billionaire. Mm-hmm. And but I think that Leo holds himself in a certain level of gravitas mm-hmm. that Shia LaBeouf does not. He can very much be in this kind of like struggle bus situation, and it's very believable. Where Leo Leo's kind of transcended that. Very very. In- I'm I'm interested in that one. I'm very interested in that one. I have a couple of my um, my honorable mentions. I thought that uh, Michael Sarah in the Woody Harrelson role that just <laughs> like I, I, I want to see what he would do with it. It's, I mean, that's that interesting. is that, that there's I don't know. I have no. That's just like huh. I'm curious. Thought okay. experiment. Uh, same thing with um, Jason Statham in the uh, Robert Redford role. Just curious. In the same, in the same pairing? Probably, yeah. Okay. Probably. I, I feel like that would have an energy to it. It would be real twitchy. <laughs> That's my immediate thought. I'm just I'm, I'm just throwing throwing things out there just okay. because like I would like to give somebody who I think is a pretty good actor, but is sort of maybe gets one style of chance. He does. It's a, true. A, a different thing and see what they would do. Both with of it. them do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, my final that I'm pretty proud of. I'm thinking Machine Gun Kelly, but, oh, Zazzy but, Beats, and Demi Moore. Oh, interesting. Like, so Machine Gun Kelly is the Woody Harrelson. Okay. He's got some energy to him. He's yeah. got some street to him. He's definitely, you know, got some 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 low class 
to him, but we've proven he can act. Uh-huh. Zazie Beetz, I mean, she is hilarious, mm-hmm. and she's proven she can she can handle drama. I want to see Demi Moore as the rich billionaire. In, in, the, in the opposite role. I, I did think about that, if I we saw all this reversed, what that would look like. Um, yeah, I'm interested. But also, too, like, I want to circle back just a little bit. Who would be the the female in your Jason Statham and Michael Sarah? Uh, I said Alexis Bledel, but she's getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, oh, Alexis Bledel is she's forty. Doll. Still, be careful. <laughs> this is not. This is not a movie about 40-year-olds. This is a movie about people that are 29 to 33. This is people that are just getting out of it. Okay, fine. Um, but but uh, Jason Statham and Michael Sarah bring their own level of twitchiness. I feel like my uh, Alexis Bledel would kind of moonwalk away from that situation. <laughs> um, okay. But she's a fast talker, though. She's a fast talker. She can handle some fast talking. She can't. Okay. So that, that, that's why I didn't I didn't complete that because it was like that she doesn't work. I can't figure out who makes this work. So Demi Moore is our instigator. Our femme fatale. Our femme fatale. Um Desi Beats and mm-hmm. Machine Gun Kelly. I like it. I really like it. That's I was I was proud of that. I'm sorry if it's terrible. Guys on on the internet, if it's terrible, just you know sorry <laughs> but i i like it interesting that's cool and I th- I mean, Kitty who Cat, does, so sorry who does demi more go for oh of the two yeah either one i, I feel like there's the movie works either way it could it could very much so interesting okay i like it i mean or <laughs> ooh, to real life demi more ashton kutcher and neil kunis <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> uh. is Bruce Willis the Billy Bob Thornton in that one? He is. Yes. <laughs> She's a real poonhound. I, I know that was Oliver Platt. But. Yes. All right. <laughs> Clappered on that. Forbidden <laughs> cinema. Take two. <laughs> All right, take us home, babe. Take us home? On what? Is that, or do you have another one? Nope, that's it. I just have those two. Oh, so we're done. And we're done. So no take two. No take two. Over. Over. (laughs) Done. Cut. All right.